Are you a painter looking to improve your watercolours? Then join me, Tom Shepherd, at my online watercolour school for more information. And to join, please visit schoolofwatercolour.co.uk and I hope to see you there. Hi, I'm Peter Keegan. And I'm Tom Shepherd. And welcome to Ask an Artist, the podcast that's been created for working artists and makers, people who are looking for tips and advice, ideas and strategies for not only making, but selling their work too. Covering a range of topics from social media to approaching galleries, interviewing fellow artists and industry experts, Ask an Artist podcast is here to help guide you and keep you company on your artistic journey. So the topic of mailing lists might not fire you up with excitement. However, they can be a crucial part of any working creative business and also a fantastic way to stay in touch with an already keen and receptive audience. In fact, both of us have developed a newfound love for mailing lists during the pandemic. So today we will be talking about what they are how to collect and manage one, why they can be such an amazing tool, and also then some of the nitty gritty of being responsible for other people's information. As is usually the case, the first place to kick it off is kind of defining what a mailing list is. So do you want to dive in, Pete, with this? Well, yeah, so I see mailing list is sort of something that is pretty much very much electronical it's sort of the the emails and you know what they are we receive these emails all the time don't we from companies that telling us about offers and what they're up to and it's a way that an organization or company can talk directly to the customer um it can tell them what they're what they're doing any new products or services they're offering and maybe even giving them you know sort of unique insider information offers and things that sort of not available to anybody else but it is that way of of connecting directly and it could be electronically through email it could even be physical you know you could be writing out a sort of a newsletter and sort of popping it in the post and sending it to people but it's it is that communication and i think what's really unique and special about a mailing list is the customer, the person has asked to be informed. They want to hear from you. And that is so special and so unique that you have a sort of a captive audience that wants to find out from you. And therefore it is your job as, as your, as the artist, the creative, the maker is to inform that customer. They want to find out what you're doing, where you're going, what you're making while you're doing it. And it's that wonderful opportunity to have a captive audience listen to you and for you to tell and sell to them what you are up to. Yeah. I, I could almost say that word for word. Pretty much exactly that. A collection of. For, for us, predominantly email addresses by which we stay in touch with people. As you said, an important point there, people who have chosen to join our mailing list. And we can pin down different ways that we can use this. And you also mentioned that it can be uh, physical as well. I, for example, I do have a, a mailing list of people that have previously bought my uh, painting so that I have their addresses. I don't generally do a lot with it, but at times I do send out little extra cards or a Christmas card or thank you notes and stuff like that just as a little thank you for supporting me that's something I want to explore a little bit more but for example I know lots of artists who have as well as an email list a physical list and they do send out like an annual Christmas card and I know full well that people that are on that list really look forward to that and there's lots of clever clever kind of business aspects to that is that you just keep people's minds remembering that you exist and and what you do so there's there's loads of different ways that we can use a mailing list which is what we're going to get into and the the other thing that I mentioned in the the episode intro also is that we've kind of 
got a new love of mailing lists. You know, if I'm totally honest with myself, I maybe neglected my mailing list for a bit. Or I didn't quite give it the weight that it deserved in, in terms of importance for my business. And I, I know you went for a kind of similar process, didn't you? Yeah, very much so. I mean, I've always been aware that it's I, I've treated my mailing list as an, in, an incredibly valuable asset yeah. to to my running a business. And I think the last few years has really shone a spotlight on how essential that is to not just drawing income and, and, and maintaining a business, but having that direct communication with your, your customers and clients that people want to hear from you. And I think that if I really kind of broke down where sales and work and opportunities have come from, the vast majority of that comes from my mailing list. It really yeah. is sort of, I, I see it as essential and I can't, couldn't really imagine running my business uh, in the way that it is without utilising the the successful way of communicating through a mailing list. I see it as that important and that Absolutely. essential. I've explained it to other people as literally being gold dust. Like if I lost my mailing list, which is another thing we'll come up to, I'd be I'd be devastated and I'd be pretty stuffed as well from a mm. business point of view. And like you, I, I'd always really valued my, my mailing list, but I wasn't using it as well as I could have been doing. And then we hit the whole pandemic and all of that stuff. And, and I suddenly started using it a little bit more both to sell paintings, but also just to stay in touch with people. And it kind of reignited my memory of how important they can be and also actually how useful they can be. I guess one question that a lot of people would have as well is, oh, great. Yeah. Another thing to have to manage as Mm. an artist. And so the obvious questions are, well, why is it any different to, you know, social media or being an Instagram or writing a blog? Why, why is it different to that? That's something that's important to pin down for people, I think. Yeah, I think social media is, I always see it as, it's a passive thing. I mean, it can be incredibly effective and it works enormously well for, for lots of people, but it's something that you can dip into, in and out of. You know, yes, you choose to follow, but it, I, I see it sometimes people just keeping half an eye on you as opposed to really fully in, invested in, in watching what you're doing and interested to hear about. Whereas signing over your, you know, an email address and in, the responsibility of entrusting somebody else with an email address saying, you know, I want you to, to keep me informed. I see that as sort of a much more, a sort of a, sen- a sense of patronage, you know, they're, they're kind of yeah. really investing a little bit of them in you more so than I think social media, which is, it can be a bit throwaway and it can be a bit kitsch and it can sort of doesn't have the sometimes the depth that yeah. the communication of a, of a mailing list has. So I do see them as sort of slightly different. I think. Sometimes social media, I think it's, it's like the notice board in the village. You know, you could just put these little post-it notes that's available for everyone to see. It's good for drumming up sort of all-round business and scooping up people maybe that have never heard of you. But then the core message that you wish to convey, for me, that is done through the newsletter where you're kind of speaking to people. And, you know, I imagine people consuming a newsletter different to the way they consume a social media post. That's, Absolutely. you know, scroll, throw away, move on. Whereas the newsletter is, you know, they can sit down and they can, you know, read it and, and get a more out of it. And we'll talk about what you can do to engage that a bit further. But I, I treat it as a different product and people are going to yeah. get a very different experience from it. I think there's a really good, great couple of points in there, Pete. One of them being that it is, you do consume it very differently. And I guess the clue in some ways is in the name, like newsletter, newspaper, you sit down and you read it and you consume it. Like you said, social media on the whole is a bit more instantaneous. Uh, and in some ways it can be a little bit more superficial. But as you said, I guess you're, you're getting the point you're getting at is that 
newsletters have the potential to be much more personal, a little bit more intimate, like you can share on a slightly deeper level. So I think that's a really important thing for people to realise. And also say something like a blog, which is a slightly different platform yet again. So, you know, a lot of people saying blogging's dead. I don't personally do much of a blog, but I know a lot of artists that really do a lot of work on their blogs and it works for them. But yet again, that's a slightly different thing because people can go there and look for it, if you know what I mean. And if you have a mailing list, you can point people to it. But again, a newsletter, people have signed up specifically to hear from you. And you might put your blog post into your newsletter, for example. Mm. I actually pops into my mind that I remember seeing an artist or no, a marketing expert, not even talking about art specifically, I don't think they were talking about pushing and pulling like a blog kind of pulls people to your website, like it's going to pull you there. You're going to come back if there's someone you really like. You're going to return back to their website to see if they've got a new blog post, etc. Instagram, social media is a little bit like, oh, I can check up on that person. So things you put up there kind of pull people towards you and then you can push them in different directions. But the point being that with a newsletter, people have signed up you send them stuff out and if you choose to use your newsletter in this way, you can then push them to other places. Like you can push them to sign up for something. You can push them to maybe consider buying one of your creations. You can push them to your social media. So it's this idea of kind of push and pull, which I thought was an interesting way to think mm. about these different platforms that we can use. So let's talk about how we start a mailing list, because if there's someone listening that hasn't got one um you know we we all need to start somewhere and both you and i started with no mailing list and that that piece of white paper and (laughs) we we tentatively asked somebody saying well if if you like you could you could sign up to my mailing list knowing you've never done one before um (laughs) and and you get that first name and 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 that's how you all start you have to sort of start off by asking people well would you like to hear more about what i'm up to now that's an interesting point because what you actually sort of have to do is have things to talk about, have things in which uh, to, to to promote and, and to discuss. We'll talk about that in a moment. But you have to start by either having two ways of, of, of getting names on a mailing list. Now, first yeah. of all, is the face-to-face experience. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there at a, an exhibition or an art fair or event or a festival, having the ability for a, an interested party and customer who may not buy today, but they want to keep an eye on you, they want to find out more information, having something that they can record their, their full name and their email is absolutely essential because that yeah. is the prime time, if someone wants to find out more, to get their name and address down. Yeah. So you have that sort of that in-person now I find that I don't know about you, but I've always found that to be one of the most effective Absolutely. ways because the customer can see you, they can they can engage with you, they can suss you up whether they they like what you're doing or they like the way you're presenting or whatever. Straight away, you've got them. You've kind of won the fact that they want to give you their 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 email and they want to find out more. You know that they're going to be a customer that maybe not today, maybe not next week. They might be a customer in, in a few years' time. Yeah. But you've you've grabbed them at that moment, and that face to face connection really instills that confidence in them, and hopefully you as the artist. Definitely, I think that's a massively important point, Pete. And it's you could almost argue it's as important as maybe selling a piece on the spot. Like whilst you've got some and you're interacting with them on a personal level, you're talking about your work. That's a great time to make a sale. If they're not going to make a sale, that's fine. But you can still sort of hold on to them and get them. And like you said, they will most likely become some sort of buyer of whatever you do down the line. And that in-person moment is the time to grab them. And I will say that 
when you first start out your in-person exhibitions doing shows and stuff it is a skill learning to talk to people some people have it very naturally but a lot of us artists who are maybe naturally a bit more introverted or we feel sheepish or scared about asking people for things but I can really say like you soon get your kind of banter down and your patter down a little bit and you you usually wrap up by saying if you do want to hear more from me don't forget you can Mm. sign my mailing list and so many people do it Yes, you do have to deal with a little bit of rejection if someone decides that they don't want to. But you again, you learn your banter of how to deal with that and, and address that issue within yourself. So face to face, hugely important. I will say that I started my mailing list back a while back when I did my very first exhibition in my parents' house. I just told them, can you just email all of your friends and tell them that this exhibition's on? And then when they <laughs> turned up, I basically forced them to all sign my my mailing list book. And I never really took away that process of having a, a, a book open. Any time I'm in front of the public, I take a book and I can take emails if people are interested. Business card, great, but it's very different. You're you're giving that and you're having to leave it up to them to then contact you. If you take their address, their email address, you kind of it's not that you have them, but you have the opportunity to contact them. That's that in person potential which i think is very strong but of course then there's the there's the other way for people to subscribe to a newsletter without having that that sort of face-to-face value and of course you know this opens up we're in a global market people all over the world can find out where you are through the means of social media and a website or any other type of platform that you're out there so having the ability for somebody to subscribe to your newsletter on your website i think is absolutely essential i mean we've probably all been on websites you're on there for two three minutes and a little box pops up saying, would you like to subscribe to the newsletter? And, you know, and that's them saying, you know, if you really want to find out more information, you subscribe then. So have a function, have it really clear, you know, subscribe here, having it very clearly visible that if you want to find out more information, just give me your email and I'll keep you up to date. And again, you can use that through social media. You know, when's the last time you told your um, the people that follow you on social media that I'm about to send a newsletter if you want to be one of the special people that get this newsletter, yeah. just give me your email address and you'll receive it like all these other people. And suddenly you start, you know, very quickly amassing people who want to find out more. And the other thing as well is actually email. I mean, how many emails do you send a day? I mean, I send uh, an awful lot of emails, but, you know, would it be helpful to have a link at the bottom of an email saying, oh, and if you haven't already, subscribe to my thing so there's there's so many i see it as like um you know fishing lines the more lines that you've got out fishing the more likely you're going to get a bite and and catch some uh catch that needed fish uh, later on down the way i think that's the perfect way of putting it yeah there's i think it's important to remember that the vast majority of people on my mailing list are not customers they are supporters and that's a two different thing maybe you know 25% to a third of my customers are will be ones that that exchange money for whether it is uh, paintings or commissions or, or teaching and so on but there's there's a vast majority that are friends family that people just want to be kept up to date with what I'm doing so I'm always aware that yes the aim of my mailing list is to present and to sell what it is I'm offering, but it's also to inform and to educate and to, to keep people up to date uh, that just want to support. Because, of course, your supporters are just as useful as, as getting the word out there what you're doing as much as people who are actually buying stuff from you. 
Totally. It's a, it's actually, I think that's a really great point again, Pete, because it's, it's a slight shift of mindset away from like, I've got this group of people and if I email them, every single one of those people will be interested and buy. It doesn't work like that. It's, it really is a way of staying in touch, but not to be underestimated the knock on effects that that can have. But also, like you said, yes, of course, there are buyers of whatever you are producing. And again, just to touch on the website thing, again, such an easy thing to do. And the amount of emails I get just rolling in from that is fantastic. But again, it's being not afraid to ask people. People are so timid to ask for people's email addresses or ask if they want to buy a painting. If you're serious about selling your work in whatever way you decide to do that, you do have to get used to kind of asking people. You can still do it in your own unique way. It doesn't, you don't have to become a salesperson or a marketing expert, yeah. but you, you have to get over this idea of being afraid to ask. People will say no. And once you get used to that, you get less afraid of asking. I know we both started very, very small with friends and family, and we now mm -hmm. have both really, really substantial mailing lists that are a crucial part of our business. So like you said at the start, if you haven't got a mailing list or it's only small, no worries, just keep being aware that building it is really important, which then comes on to, we've got all these email addresses. How do we manage them? Where do we store them? What are the ways that we can send out emails, newsletters or whatever to this wider range of people? What, what do you guys use to store and manage your emails and your newsletters? Well, first of all, it was very basic. You know, we kept it very simple. I created, uh, I think it was a newsletter. It was just, I was just emailing people. And of course, how long did that take me? That took me about an hour of, of <laughs> physically writing every single email. So very, very quickly, I, I found that I needed a piece of software that does a lot of this for you, that stores people's emails safely and sort of has a series of, I know, templates where you can actually incorporate pictures. So it becomes a lot slicker and smoother. And of course, it looks a lot more professional. I think there was a time where I was sort of writing my own newsletters on on, on Microsoft Word or Publisher. I was doing a lot of that hard work uh, and then sending it and realizing that, yes, I could spend a lot of time crafting this myself, but there's a lot of very clever systems in place out there that are much more well-equipped to uh, sort of run this service for me. So I think one of the first messenger services i use was mailchimp yeah uh, mailchimp is quite a quite a well-known thing i think it has a an ability for people to use for free yeah uh, and then you can have pay different tiers for different reaches and, and different capacities and so on so i use that for a while and now i use a different server that's actually linked to my own website so i build my website uh, with the company and as part of that they have the ability to link it to uh to a newsletter so i started off writing it <laughs> uh, by hand. And now it's sort of more automated to make things a lot easier for me. So I'm not wasting precious time in, in you know, it does that say at Gmail or is it at Google Mail? And then frantically worrying, <laughs> am I going to send it to the wrong person? <laughs> yeah, I can totally relate to that. I started in exactly the same way. I think before I went to like a, a sort of a, a third party client, as you might call it, I, I then had a spreadsheet, but then I was still copying and pasting into the BCC. And then like you, I went to MailChimp and I actually still use MailChimp now. And I've, I've got a fairly substantial mailing list, but yeah, I'm still using MailChimp for free, but I've got to a point where I may need to start paying at different tiers. And there's loads of different ones. There's, I think, Octopus email is one I know a lot of people use, but there's tons out there. And like you said, loads of templates and stuff. And then also my, my website runthroughwix.com also has the capacity to collect the emails and then send out newsletters. So yeah, there's loads right. of different ways you can kind of manage it. 
But we are going to get into some of the ways that you might want to use your mailing list. But before that, we are going to splash a little bit of colour into the podcast. The medium of watercolour is known and loved for its transparency, which gives that unique glow. And the Michael Harding watercolour range is rich in pigment whilst retaining that all-important luminosity. However, there is, of course, a place for our opaque watercolours. They can provide a wonderful intensity and pop of colour that cannot be achieved with the more transparent pigments. They can also liven up a dead or uninteresting area, as well as create really fun and exciting effects when used in a wet or drying wash. The new Michael Harding range has a fantastic bunch of opaque colours, all waiting for you to give them a go. Quality materials can be exciting and inspiring, and I have to say that spending the last few months working with Michael Harding watercolours, I have truly fallen in love with opaque colours in a whole new way, and I am having an absolute blast working with all of them. Michael Harding's new range of watercolours will be available later this year. For more information on these and all of the other wonderful products, please visit michaelharding.co.uk. And now we've had our colour fix, let's get back to discuss some examples of the ways that you can use your mailing list, how other creatives use their mailing list. So I'm going to throw this over to you, Pete. There's two or three points I'd like to try and get across in in mailing lists. So first of all is the news. What's going on? And it's past news and future things going ahead. So what has happened, whether it is, you know, I've, I took part in this exhibition, this festival, this event, this this whatever it was. So you're kind of updating people how how things went. And then it's also sort of saying, and this is coming up in the future. I'm going to be taking part in in this, that and the other. And that's a perfect opportunity for to come and see me, to see my work, to, to learn with me. So I always try and see it as sort of that news thing. I'm not necessarily selling. It's just keeping people updated. They wanted to hear what was going on. Well, here I am. I'm telling you what's going on in my life. Um, I also try and sort of give a, a nice little snippet of what's going on in the day-to-day studio. So I have a, a little bit on my mailing list that says what's on the easel and I'll share people. Here's my latest painting that I've been doing and it could be linked to a future event or it could just be something that is just uh, what I'm experimenting with, what I'm playing with. I might sort of talk about a particular technique or colour. So there's a little bit of kind of, uh, you know, giving or trying to share a little bit of knowledge and information. And then there's the kind of the selling thing, you know, here is a painting and I'm selling it. It is for sale. If you like it as much as I love painting it, click here and you can buy. Or I'm doing a Zoom demonstration tomorrow or next week. And if you want to join me with a cup of coffee, click this link, you could buy your ticket. So there's a clear kind of sales uh, lead and transaction Mm. that you're trying to sort of direct people. And and I think that variety is really important because I don't want it to always feel like I'm just bombarding people with just boring stuff that I'm doing or just full of theory or just full of selling. I try and have it you know, a nice varied amount because I'm aware that I've got a, a wide range of people that have subscribed to my yeah. mailing list that are coming at me for very, very different reasons. So it's not all about the selling. It's about informing. Definitely. If I'm totally honest with myself, I have been at times and still probably am guilty of being a bit too sales focused. And I, I know that is not necessarily the right way to approach things. It's still a place to sell very much so. But this idea of keeping people in a loop with what you're doing is fantastic and also something that I'm planning to do more of is sharing a little bit more about I'm going to talk about a little bit of a painting principle here and I'm going to share it with you for free but you get it because you're on my mailing list that sort of thing there's almost like an an exclusivity to things yeah and one thing that I do want to touch on and what MailChimp in particular because I don't know the other platforms as well 
um, is that you can segment your emailing, uh, your mailing list so you can tag different people. So if you do want to just send out something that is only relevant to people that are interested in purchasing a course, for example, you can segment it or you can send stuff to the whole mailing list and everything in between. So I think that allows you a huge amount of flexibility. Mm. The point is being very clear again about your intentions behind why you're using your mailing list and the intention of of what you're sending out, what you're trying to achieve. I know that we both sell paintings and painting courses and teaching stuff on there. And again, it's very easy to be too focused on just sales, but I think it is important that we are sharing behind the scenes stuff. And it's almost like this idea that mentioned that word we mentioned a minute ago, exclusivity, or you, you're kind of giving people something special to say thank you for being a patron or for supporting me whether like I sometimes email out discount codes for new paintings and it's up for for a month they get like a 15% discount purely for being on my newsletter and showing me that support and little things like that that just say thank you more than anything else it's the something special that they are getting which other people aren't because yeah. they've taken the time to invest in you so if that's giving them you know a painting with a discount or i always say that you know when i'm releasing my courses or workshops people who are subscribed to my mailing list know first you yeah. know if you want to be the first if you you know don't want to miss out on the sellout class or course if you subscribe to the mailing list and so therefore it's all fair as, as opposed to putting it on social media i use that as a, as a secondary platform but i use my mailing list they're the most loyal customers so i yeah. try and give them the priority over over everything else as that as as, as a token of thanks as you said for you know supporting me totally i think that's a great way to go about things yeah and so another obvious question is, because we are all bombarded with emails all day, every day, how often do we get in touch with people? I don't think there is necessarily a right or wrong answer. I would say that as, you know, as a person that has given my email to many artists and creatives to be on their mailing list, which by the way is a good way of doing research on how to do it and how not to do it. So get <laughs> subscribing so you can and figure out how people do that. Um, one thing that I was quite surprised at is there are some people that do bombard you with weekly updates. And for mm. me, I think that's, that's a little bit too much. But then the flip side is there are some people I've subscribed to and I don't hear from them you know, I don't need to send one a year. And sometimes when I see the email pop into my account, I sort of go, oh, who's this? Do I know this person? And I forget that I actively wanted to find out more about them. And it becomes a little bit alien. I, I don't mm. feel like I know what they've been up to. I think I was speaking, it was um, Laura Boswell, of course, on the on the podcast before that she, I think she said that um, only say something when there's something to be said. Mm. And I think that's quite, you know, if you have something to say, or something to share or an event, then share it. But don't feel you're just having to fill silence with stories and, and waffle information just for the sake of it. I suppose I'm doing more mailing lists at the moment, but I think that's a post-COVID thing of being, yeah. you know, keeping people more up to date. But I think I was aiming for about one every month, maybe yeah. six weeks, you know, at the kind of the very least, I would try and keep up to that. I think at the moment I'm sort of maybe one every two to three weeks, I suppose, yeah. is what I'm currently doing at the moment. But I think that'll, you know, that might tail off. It might go when I've got more stuff going on in the summer, which is, I mean, it tends to be quite busy at that time of year, doesn't it, for arty-related yeah. events. There may be one or two more reminding emails, but then it might go quieter in other months. So I don't necessarily set the pressure on me, but yeah. it's I don't want to just talk for the sake of of talking. He says, well, talking for the sake of talking. 
<laughs> no, it's a really great point. I think that's um that's the perfect attitude, isn't it? Because it, it's always a balance with this stuff. It's like finding something that works for you. So, you know, putting pressure on yourself to deliver something every week is going to stress most people out and probably is a oh, little absolutely. bit too much for most yeah. people. Mm. Um, but it, it's that balance between also let's not forget that we we are also running a business and it can help us to just stay in touch with people, even if it isn't particularly salesy. That balance is is so important, I think. I think it keeps you kind of focused and accountable as well, which I yes. quite like it for, you know, here's here's what I have done, but here's what I'm doing. So that gives me momentum to that thing. Mm. And then once it's happened, another newsletter maybe said, well, this happened and it was really, really good. And in two, three months time, there's this next thing going on. Yeah. And it, it kind of has that nice drive for me. It's almost Definitely. like, um, you know, writing a to-do list or, you know, having a diary where you've got things to aim for over, over the, you know, over the coming year. Mm. I find it quite useful for that propelling. Definitely. It's almost that word momentum again, isn't it? It allows you to just keep that momentum rolling and you're, you're kind of bringing other people along with you, even if in just quite a subtle way. And I've definitely said in my mailing list, like, oh, I've got this exciting thing coming up and I might allude to what it is, but it's almost by putting it out there and saying it in hard yes. writing, I am making myself accountable. But at, like you said, it also almost gives a structure and a rhythm to your year and it gives a structure and a rhythm to to how you go about marketing things as well. Like you can slowly build up the excitement to something using your marketing like an exhibition or a new course that you've released online and all mm. of that sort of thing. It, it's such a fantastic tool. And there are so many ways you can use it. Again, like I said earlier, you don't have to be, you don't have to be a sellout. You can use it in exactly however feels comfortable to you. Like if you are someone who writes a little bit more personably in a bit more of an intimate way, that can suit you. But if you are someone that is a bit more kind of extroverted and out there, you can use your mailing list in a very different way. It can be uh, just an extension of who you are as a person, as an artist, I think, which is, mm. which is what's so nice about it. So we've spoken a lot about people signing up to our mailing list, which is obviously important. But like anything, like social media, YouTube, you will also lose subscribers and you will lose followers. And along with that comes the usual kind of, oh, why don't they want to hear from me anymore? Like I've been rejected on quite on quite a small level, but it, it can still be a little bit uncomfortable. And, and we have to deal with that just like we do on any other platform that involves followers. From an important point, you have to have that ability for people to unsubscribe. And of course, you give them that option through that newsletter, that electronic newsletter that you send. There should always be a position, a place, at near, usually near the bottom where it says click here to unsubscribe. Exactly. Depending on the platform you're using, quite often uh, the customer is able to give a reason why. Um, so it might be, you know, they're no longer interested or they've moved away and it's not relevant anymore. That could be quite useful for you just to sort of think about what, you know, if you're becoming, if, if the feedback is, you know, they're becoming a bit too selly or a bit too waffly, that could be quite useful for you as feedback of why people are choosing, uh, not uh, choosing to unsubscribe. But having that option is, is legally uh, a crucial thing. It's just about not taking it personally because you have no idea what's going on in someone else's life. And also it's perfectly fine if people unsubscribe because you're just honing your mailing list to be people that are more relevant to what you're doing, which is perfect. So really important thing, which is we have to touch on, we must touch on, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, is GDPR and, uh, you know, looking after people's data and all of this stuff. Okay, so first of all, what is data? I think it's really important that we understand what 
data is. Now, data is information that you hold on somebody else. Now, that can be a range of things. That doesn't necessarily have to be sensitive data like medical information or credit card details, but simply having the name, the first, second name, an email address, that is data. And it is your duty, it's your obligation to hold that in a secure way as possible. But data includes other things. It's not just written down information. Data can be things like photographs. You know, if you have photography of other people, you are, you have their data. If you have audio recordings, you are taking that of somebody else, that data. Data can come in in a variety of things, as well as legal documents that you may have online, even emails with sensitive information. This is all data, and it is our obligation to keep that in as safe way as possible. So data isn't just sort of transactions or you know receipts. It is sort of a much sort of bigger thing. And more so than ever, we have a, a, a real duty to be very careful about how we utilize that. Now, why? Why is that important? Well, of of course, data can be mishandled. It can be given to other people, which could then be utilized in the wrong way. So a mailing list, for example, can be a highly valuable, a very desirable asset. Let's say an artist has 10,000 emails. You know, that's 10,000 customers that somebody would see that as a real useful thing. If they could steal those 10,000 names and suddenly market to them, then they're going to get directly to that customer. So it's really important that you see this as a, it's, it's a, see them as valuables, you know, see them as, as expensive as, you know, your, your phone or your car keys or your home keys. You know, this, this is thing that you really should be, uh, conscious of protecting. And as such, you should have the, uh, the things in place to ensure that they are secure. So both physical and digital, they need to be protected. So in terms of protection then, Pete, what are, what are a couple of examples of ways you can protect people's data? So if it's physical things, so if you have you know, spreadsheets, receipts, even you know photographs printed out, um, having them securely placed away. So there's being aware of that kind of physical area that it's being uh, uh, looked after. But then there's the digital side. Now, like most people, these all this information is living in these computer boxes, but it's not just living there. It's living... <laughs> Above me, I'm waving my hands at the, the, the cloud, cloud <laughs> above us. It's it's wafting around there, or it's being held in some great database in a in a big desert uh, under under in on, on big modems somewhere. Either way, wherever you store it on your own computer uh, or whatever software you're using, is having that as as up to date um, software security as possible, so people cannot uh, sort of you know hack in. You have to show, I suppose, that you are doing everything within reason that's within within your power to ensure that you're keeping people's information and data as secure as possible. And then uh, is there anything we should be considering as artists in terms of obviously it's a type of insurance that we take this seriously and we do things properly but is there anything we can do to actually cover ourselves if something bad does happen? Um, If you're using a a third party uh, marketeer like um, you mentioned MailChimp and there's lots of others out there by working with them they will have a level of security already mm-hmm. by working with them these are kind of professional newsletter agencies so by working with them there's a, that level of security already implied you still have to utilize it with your you know your logging for example your username password uh, making sure that is not uh, you know available to everybody else or having uh, two step authentication codes that is you know usually a standard that 
that's uh, required if you're handling uh, sensitive bits of information. That gives you that level of security compared to you just having names and addresses and emails just written out on pieces of paper or, or spreadsheets. So to be aware of that. Now, this is a big subject and it's it's a massive subject and it can be scary and intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. So I would strongly recommend that people look at the Information Commissioner's Office, particularly here in the UK. It's an independent authority uh, set to uphold information rights in public interest. Uh, The website is ico.org.uk and it is jam-packed with wonderful, very easy to follow information. And it'll tell you uh, as as a self-employed creative what you need to do. I think there's a really helpful little kind of quiz that you can say, here's what I do. Here's the type of information that I hold. What do I need to do. You may need to register with the ICO. If you are holding information, you should technically be registered. If you want any more information, do look at that because it does explain things very, very clearly. And of course, there's so many different levels um, that people would be working at, but it's a great website and there's, there's so much information on there. Brilliant. All right, guys. Well, I think that's it. Mailing lists can clearly be a wonderful tool for any creator you kind of have a receptive audience of previous buyers or students or just interested parties right at your fingertips. And often they will actually be genuinely interested, if not really excited to hear from you. So not only can mailing lists be used to sell directly, but also just to help remind people you still exist, as well as being a great way to just take care of those people who have supported you and your career so far absolutely right and thank you everyone for listening remember you can catch up with everything we've discussed during this episode and all our previous episodes at askartistpodcast.com and i'll put a link to the information commissioner's office as well on that website thank you all so much for listening for your reviews and ratings both on our website and on apple podcasts they really do help keep the podcast visible and free for us all Are you a member of an art club, group or society looking for an artist to come and lead a demonstration, workshop or give a talk? If so, look no further than Art Profile. To find out more about Art Profile's free service or to book an artist to come and work with you, simply visit artprofile.co.uk.